The title of this book is Stories from the Bible, the history of people loved by God and his relationship with us through the ages. It was written with commentary by one who reads and believes the Bible, James Clifton Gillum. That's me. You can call me Jim. I am a retired teacher. I am a follower of Christ. My wife Darby and I have been married for 48 years. We have four sons and three daughters-in-law and 16 grandkids. This book is written by one who sees the history of the Bible as an important part of the history of the world. The book is written for the most part in chronological order with each story merging into the next one, with some cross-references where it enhances the context. This book tells us how we began. It tells us what we need to know and do today. It tells us about our future. It tells us about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one. I will turn the pages and read. This first is an introduction. These are some numbers to remember and to think about. Six days. This is how long God worked to create the heavens and the earth and everything on the earth. 1,056 years. Noah was born. 1,056 years after creation. That is 56 years after the beginning of the second millennium. 40 multiplied times 40 plus 40 plus 4 times 4 years. In other words, 1,656 years, the number of years from the creation to the flood. 40 days and 40 nights. That is how long it rained. And everyone was in the ark for more than a year. 2,048 years. Isaac was born 2,048 years after creation. That is 48 years after the beginning of the third millennium. 40 decades. That is how long the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. 40 years, then 40 years. This is how long Moses was a shepherd on the job training, beginning at the age of 40 years, before he was the leader of God's chosen people. 40 days and 40 nights then 40 days and 40 nights. This is how long Moses was on the mountain with God while receiving the Ten Commandments and other laws for the chosen people of God. Then because the people were rebelling in the camp, Moses destroyed the tablets of stone. Then Moses went up and spent another 40 days and nights on the mountain getting the stone tablets again. 40 days. When the Israelites reached the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies across the river to check it out before they invaded. They were in the land for 40 days. They were impressed by the bounty of this land that God brought them to. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, knew that God would make them victorious over the people that God told them to go against. The other ten spies didn't believe God would give them the victory and the new land. They led the Israelites to want to mutiny against Moses, but it was really a mutiny against God. Forty years. That is how long the Israelites were in the wilderness before entering the promised land 
one year for every day the spies had spent in the promised land. In those 40 years, every Israelite who was over 20 years old at the beginning would die in the wilderness. The only exceptions were Joshua and Caleb and Moses. Moses died just before they entered the promised land at the age of 120. 40 decades. The Israelites were ruled by Moses in the wilderness for 40 years, then judges in the promised land, beginning with Joshua and ending with Samuel. That was another 356 years for a total of about 40 decades. Then the people wanted a king. 3,064 years. Saul was anointed by God to be the first king of Israel 3,064 years after the creation. That is 64 years after the beginning of the fourth millennium. The reign of King Saul chosen by God 40 years. Saul turned against God and God chose the next king, David. 40 days. Goliath challenged King Saul's army to choose one warrior to fight one-on-one. -on -one. So if their man won, the Philistines would serve the Israelites. If Goliath won, the Israelites would serve the Philistines. Goliath made the same challenge every day for 40 days. King Saul didn't have a soldier who would go against Goliath. The other choice was to start the battle against the Philistines, but King Saul didn't want to do that either. God ended the 40-day delay by sending David to kill Goliath. Forty years, David served God and he served King Saul. Saul knew David had been chosen by God to be the next king. So he turned against David and went after him for years. But David stayed away from him. When David was 30 years old, King Saul died in a battle with the Philistines. And David became the next king and ruled for 40 years. 40 years. The reign of King Solomon. Solomon fell away from worshiping God and God divided the kingdom. 40 kings. After King Solomon, the kingdom was divided. 20 kings in sequence ruled the northern kingdom from beginning to end and 20 kings ruled the southern kingdom from beginning to the end of the kingdom. That gives a total of 40 kings in the two kingdoms after Solomon. The northern kingdom lasted 241 years and seven months and seven days. 40 decades. The southern kingdom lasted about 40 decades. 40 decades. After the southern kingdom ended, the people were in exile to return 70 years later. Other events happened and the number of years is not documented in the Bible. That's 70 years plus the number of years between the Old Testament and the New Testament is thought to be about 400 years. 40 centuries. That last 40 decades added to all previous years on earth equals about 40 centuries. Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world 40 centuries after the world was created. 1948, 1948. Abraham is called the father of Israel. He is the father of Isaac, who is the father of Jacob, who God renamed as Israel. Israel is the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham was born 
1948 years after God created the world. Forty centuries later, 1948 years after the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, Israel was reborn as a nation after being scattered throughout the world. The year of our, on our calendar was 1948. It is noted that the ancient Hebrew calendar did not have the same number of days in a year as the calendar used in most of the world today. The old calendar was valid for the old world. Today's calendar is valid for today. The name of this chapter is The Beginning. Some people believe life just happened and over a long period of time it evolved into what it is today. They believe that humans evolved from nothing to their present glory. They believe that nature and time together created us. They say nature evolves life, but needs huge amounts of time to do so. This is not creation by God as revealed in the book of Genesis. Those who trust in evolution trust in two other gods. They trust in Mother Nature and Father Time, who together created all the creatures we see, or so they choose to believe. We all have access to the same evidence. Our frame of reference influences our interpretation of the evidence. Mark Twain in Life on the Mississippi said, there is something fascinating about science. One gets such wholesale returns of conjecture out of such a trifling investment of fact. If there really is a God, and if he really loves us, he would let us know. He would tell us he loves us, and he would show us that love. He has told us he loves us, and he has shown us his love. He tells us through the book that he has given us, the Bible. The Bible tells us that the earth and its creatures were created in six days. He has shown us his love by sending his only begotten son to die for us so that we do not have to die an eternal death. His son Jesus conquered death so that all who trust in Jesus will have eternal life. In the Gospel of John, John writes in the first few verses, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God made the world through the Word, His Son. Without the Word, the world was not done. It is written that Jesus is the Son of God. In addition, John tells us Jesus is the Word of God. We think of words as existing on a page or coming out of our mouths, but before that the word exists in the mind. When we see or hear a word, we recognize it because it already exists in our minds. Words mean things. Words are powerful. The word of God is all powerful. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is in the mind of God. They are one. Jesus is God. God the Father sent us his Word to communicate to us his love. God is love. That's in John 4, 8, and 16. When God created the world, he created a man called Adam. This was God's first man one of a kind. Adam wasn't reproduced by the action of other humans as we were re 
reproduced by our parents, it is miraculous that we can do that. God created us with the ability to do that. But the first man was created directly by God with no flaws. God produced that walking, talking machine we call a body, and he put life into it. Without life, it is only a work of art. God's word is written in the Bible in many languages. God created the programming language we call DNA and wrote the complex program which creates and reproduces the body which life inhabits. God then took a rib from Adam, extracted the DNA from that rib, and modified it just a little, and used it to make a modified clone of Adam. Adam was male, and Eve was female. They were more closely related than any brother and sister. They were created directly by God with no flaws. Adam and Eve were created to live forever in a loving relationship with God. God told them to be fruitful and multiply. He told them to take care of the earth and to have dominion over the other living creatures. God gave Adam and Eve free will because he wanted their love for him to be freely given. If they left God, then they left the source of their eternal life. God told them they could eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God gave them everything except one thing. They decided to focus on the one thing they shouldn't have. This title is The Fall. The serpent took advantage of their unhealthy interest in the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve were created to have dominion over the other creatures, including serpents. Why was this serpent trying to be an usurper? This was not an ordinary talking snake. In Revelation 12, 9, it is written, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He was also called Lucifer, in Isaiah chapter 14, the King James Version, Isaiah did what other prophets have done and prophesied about earthly things. At the same time, the prophecy applied to spiritual things. Lucifer wanted to make the throne, his throne, above the stars of God. He wanted to lead a rebellion against God. And Lucifer and the angels who followed him were cast out of heaven. So here he was in the Garden of Eden. He hated Adam and Eve because God loved them. The serpent lied to them. He told them that if they ate from the forbidden tree, they would become like God. The serpent didn't like the fact that they were already like God. God made them in his own image, it says in Genesis 1.27. The serpent hated them for that. He wanted to bring them down. God had told them that if they ate from the forbidden tree, they would die. The serpent told them that what God said wasn't true. He was calling God a liar. Eve was the first to make the bad choice. She had free will. She had to decide. Was God a liar or was the serpent a liar? Who should she believe? She believed the snake because she really wanted to eat that fruit. 
She ate the forbidden fruit. It was delicious while she was eating it. Then she gave it to Adam. Adam also had a choice. Adam knew better. God had said eating the fruit would cause death. But Eve ate it, and she was still standing. Adam had never seen death. How bad could it be? Adam ate the fruit that Eve gave him. And so came death. As Winston Churchill said in another context, it wasn't the end. It wasn't even the beginning of the end, but it was the end of the beginning. We were created to live forever with God, and now, as descendants of Adam and Eve, we are destined to die. We need a Savior. If only someone could die in our place. Death, then life. For Adam so loved the girl, he gave his only created soul. Whoever was conceived by them would perish and not have eternal life. Death was earned, but mercy was given. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God himself would take care of that. The stage was set. The plan commenced. God put it all in motion so that in the fullness of time, our debt would be paid. We still have freedom of choice. Those of us who still choose to believe the serpent will die with the serpent. The, serp the serpent still lies and now tells many lies about God. Those of us who believe God will live with God. Adam and Eve did not die right away. They lived for hundreds of years, beginning begetting many children because God had told them to be fruitful and multiply. We don't know when their first son was born. Adam and Eve had been created as fully mature. They might have been only one or two years old when their first son was born. Eve might have become pregnant while they were still in the Garden of Eden. Now the honeymoon was over. They were evicted from the garden, and now they were out in the wild world. If they wanted a house, they had to build it or live in a cave. Life was hard when the first son Cain was born, and now they had to raise Cain. After Cain, Abel was born. The boys grew up to become men. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. The Bible doesn't tell us about their growing up years. It doesn't tell us how old they were when Cain killed his brother Abel. It was the first murder in the world. Cain had given an offering to God of the fruit of the ground. Abel also had given an offering to God from his livestock. God liked Abel's offering. God did not like Cain's offering. We don't know, but it has been suggested that Cain gave the offering in pride, showing off to God what he had grown. On the other hand, Abel gave from his flock a true sacrifice because he loved his animals and gave out of reverence for God. Cain got mad because God liked Abel's offering and didn't like Cain's offering. God talked to Cain and told him he needed to do right because sin was lurking at the door. Cain needed to control his evil thoughts or they would control him. Cain killed his brother. That would take care of the problem, he thought. God said, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Cain said, 
How should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? God told Cain that Abel's blood cried out to him from the ground. He told Cain that the ground would no longer bear fruit for Cain. He was to wander the earth. Cain told God his punishment was more than he could bear. Someone would kill him. God gave a sign for Cain as a warning, so no one would kill him. Cain moved off to the land of Nod. He and his wife had a son named Enoch. Cain built a city and named it after his son. This is the first time in the story that we see that Cain was married. He may have been, and probably was, married for years before he killed his brother. He was married to one of his sisters, or perhaps a niece. In those days, everyone married a close relative because everyone was closely related. That wasn't a problem in the early years of the world because Adam and Eve were created with perfect DNA. Over the last few thousand years, many mutations have occurred over many generations. Negative environmental influence has broken down the DNA in some ways. Marrying spouses who are not closely related gives enough variety to overcome the weaknesses when the strong traits of each partner compensate for the weak traits brought into the mix. Marriage between close relatives would make all DNA traits to be amplified, resulting in the strong probability of serious defects, causing serious health problems in their offspring. But it wasn't a problem in the early years. After Cain left, Adam and Eve had another son. They named him Seth. Seth, Eve said that God gave them Seth to replace Abel, who was slain by Cain. In Genesis 5, it tells us that Seth looked like his father. It also says that Adam, Adam and Eve were 130 years old when Seth was born. They had other children over the years, but Seth was to replace Abel. That seems to tell us that Seth was born soon after Abel died. That means that Cain and Abel were probably more than 100 years old when Cain killed Abel. In looking at chapter 5 of Genesis, we see a list of the lineage from Adam to Noah. Verse 4 says, and the days of Adam after he had forgotten, after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. Verse 7 says, and Seth lived after he begat Enos, 807 years, and begat sons and daughters. The verses go on like that through verse 30, telling us that each one was a certain age when he begat a son, and that each had other sons and daughters. The sentence structure would seem to imply that each only had sons and daughters after the son he was named, and the son mentioned was the firstborn child. Yet we know that is not true for Adam's son Seth because Cain and Abel were born before him. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that the firstborn son in a family was considered to be the most important and got the largest share of the inheritance. Later in Genesis, in Genesis, we read that Esau was born before Jacob, but Jacob was the one favored by God. Then Jacob had 12 sons, but it was Joseph, the second youngest, who was favored by God. Later, Moses was three years younger than his brother Aaron, but Moses was chosen by God to lead the exodus from Egypt. Centuries later, David was son number eight of, the, of their father, Jesse. Yet David was chosen by God to be the king of Israel. Solomon, David's son who became the next king, 
was not David's first or second or third son, yet he was the one favored by God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the Apostle Paul tells us the first Adam was given life and the last Adam gives life. This Adam was Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus was not the first man on the planet, but he is the first and only begotten Son of God. In each of these relationships, it was not the firstborn who was most important, but it was the one chosen by God who was most important. Looking back to Jacob, his son Joseph was very important at the time, setting the stage for the future of Israel. But Joseph's older brother, also not the firstborn, Judah, turned out to be important because, as we see later in the Bible, he was an ancestor of King David, who was the ancestor of Jesus. All the men listed in the lineage from Adam to Noah and Genesis 5 were also ancestors of King David and of Jesus, King of Kings. All the men listed in the lineage from Shem to Abram in Genesis 11 were also ancestors of King David and of Jesus, King of Kings. This is why they were important. This is why they were listed. They were chosen by God to be of that lineage. In context, we should not assume they were each the firstborn in their families. God had told them, starting with Adam, to be fruitful and multiply. For that reason, we shouldn't assume that each one waited until he was in the his age was in the hundreds to have the first son. We also, also shouldn't assume the firstborn was not a daughter. But the sons were listed because the inheritance was passed down through the sons. In chapter 4 of Genesis, we see that Cain and his descendants achieved some impressive accomplishments. Cain built the city. It is reasonable to assume that other people in those days built cities. Cain could no longer be a successful farmer, so he built a city. He needed other people around him who could produce food. So he gathered people together to live in the same community and trade together. Verses 20 through 22 tell us of Cain's descendant, Jabal who was the father of those who dwell in tents and have cattle. Jabel's brother was Jubal, the father of those who play the harp and organ. These men might have literally been the fathers of those who did those things, but the implication is that everyone who did those things in later years could thank these men for being the inventors of tents and ranches and musical instruments. Abel and Jubal had a half-brother, same father, different mother, named Tubal-Cain. He taught other people how to work with iron and bronze. According to current scientific theory, the Stone Age lasted maybe millions of years when people and their lowly ancestors made tools and weapons from stone. Then came the Bronze Age, which lasted maybe thousands of years before the dawning of the Iron Age. According to the fourth chapter of Genesis, Tubal-Cain worked with bronze and iron. Maybe he got tired of making things out of stone. Tubal-Cain was descended in the eighth generation after Adam. In the line of Cain. He might have been born about the same time as Methuselah, who was in the eighth generation from Adam in the line of Seth. Methuselah was born 687 years after creation. Tubal-Cain might have lived a few hundred years before he discovered how to work bronze and iron. The longer a person lives, the more the person can discover. The people who lived before the flood, if they were compared with the people living today, might seem to be superhuman. 
their DNA was not damaged by mutations over thousands of years as ours is. Most of them lived hundreds of years in good health, if we use the fifth chapter of Genesis as an example. They had high intelligence, they all spoke the same language, they might have done great things that we will never know about because it all got washed away in the great flood. Those people were smart and industrious, but they were also wicked. They were violent. In chapter 6, it is written that the sons of God married the daughters of men. It is not clear what that means, except that it appears God was not happy about it. Sons of God may be a way of saying they were angels, but angels who now serve Satan instead of God. It is written that in those days there were giants on the earth. In some translations they are called Nephilim. These were offspring of the sons of God with the daughters of men. These were wicked people, and so it was for more than a thousand years. God was sorry he had made these people who had become wicked. Satan's minions were corrupting them. God decided he would baptize the whole planet. Every creature on the earth that breathed would be destroyed, washed away by a great flood. One thousand fifty-six years. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was born a thousand and fifty-six years after God created the world. That was fifty-six years after the beginning of the second millennium. Noah was a righteous man. God told Noah to build a ship big enough for his family and big enough for two each of every kind of animal on the planet. Noah didn't have to go out and find the animals. God would send them to Noah when it was time. You find that in Genesis 6:20 and 7:9. After Noah turned 500 years old, he begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Beginning in the first chapter of Genesis, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Noah was a man of God, so he would obey God's command. It is reasonable to assume Noah had many children before he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth at the age of 500. Most of those children were grown and gone. <clears throat> Apparently, they went the way of the world and became wicked like their neighbors. That would be heart-rending for a man like Noah. He and God both were sorry their children went the way of the world. After Noah's last three sons were born, God gave him the order to build the ark. Noah worked on that project for a hundred years. Probably when they got old enough to hold a hammer, Noah put his sons to work training them in how to build the ark. We don't know if they had power tools. If they did, that information was washed away in the flood. Or maybe <clears throat> 100 years later, the information was lost when God confused everybody at the Tower of Babel by giving them different languages. <clears throat> the ark was finished when Noah was 600 years old. His sons were about 100 years old, and now they were married. They had been busy building a boat, so they might have been newlyweds. We don't know how old their wives were. 
Noah's wife was there, but we don't know how old she was. Some women don't like to tell their age. The ark was loaded with food for the voyage, and all the animals that God directed to Noah were on board. They were pairs from every kind of animal, including what some today would call dinosaurs. It is reasonable to assume that animals of the large variety were represented by very young pairs. So the ark would have room for everybody else. It could also be expected that some of those animals came on board well fed and ready to hibernate for weeks or months that would save some food for some other animals. The flood, 40 times 40 plus 40 plus four times four years. The flood came 1,656 years after the earth was created. Another way to say that number is 40 times 40 plus 40 plus four times four. We see the number 40 at times in the Bible and it sometimes means that event was completed. The number of years from the creation to the flood was a very long time. And that time is definitely completed. Forty days and forty nights. Everyone got on board and God shut the door from the outside. In Genesis 7, 11, it is written, <clears throat> The same day were all the fountains of the deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. It rained forty days and forty nights. All that flood water came from two sources, the fountains of the deep, and the windows of heaven. Let's look at the deep first. We have seen examples of how something can burst forth from the deep and spout into the atmosphere. Maybe you've seen it in person, but surely you've seen pictures of it happening. I'm talking about volcanoes and geysers. Releasing heat and pressure, a volcano can erupt hundreds of feet or maybe thousands into the sky. Spewing forth rocks and molten rocks. All of that was underground under tremendous pressure just waiting for an opening to erupt from. Geysers do the same thing. Underground caverns full of superheated water under tremendous pressure will burst forth into the sky. As soon as that superheated water is released from its watertight cavern, meeting only the pressure of the atmosphere, that superheated water burst forth as steam shooting high into the sky. At that point, the cooler atmosphere will take the heat and the steam will form clouds of water. When the clouds of water are saturated to the right amount, raindrops will form and fall back to earth. I have a theory, take it or leave it, between Mars and Jupiter is the asteroid belt. You probably have read about it. Secular scientists say it is a rubble that failed to coalesce into a planet. Father Time and Mother Nature just didn't get it done. I have another perspective, also speculation, but reasonable considering the evidence. The asteroid belt is in orbit where a planet used to be, in my opinion, for whatever reason, perhaps an act of God. The unnamed planet was destroyed. Most of the pieces of that planet continued in orbit to become the asteroid belt, but many of those pieces were thrown out of orbit. If you look at the two moons of Mars, they are not round. They look like a couple of irregularly shaped boulders. I think they are pieces of the destroyed planet blown out of orbit and caught into the orbit of Mars as they pass by. If you look at our moon, it has many craters, 
possibly that came from hits by some of those rogue asteroids crashing into the moon. I think our planet looked different back then, still the same size, but not covered by water on 70% of the planet as it is today. Also, our planet was circled by rings like those around the planet Saturn. Our scientists say Saturn's rings are mostly frozen water, and so it was with the rings around our planet. In Genesis 1-6, it is written, let there be a firmament between the waters above and the waters below. In some translations, the firmament is called an expanse or sky. So there is water above the sky and the rings around the planet and below the sky and the oceans and other bodies of water. A person looking up from the earth to those rings would see something like a rainbow spanning from the eastern horizon to the western horizon. Our rainbows are visible as colors because the sunlight reflects from millions of tiny water droplets. Rings around the planet made of millions of boulders, boulder-sized chunks of ice might be just as colorful. The stray asteroids from the destroyed planet broke into our planet's fragile rings of ice. Those millions of ice boulders, with their orbital speed halted by the asteroids, fell out of orbit and into the Earth's atmosphere. Streaking through the sky, heated up by friction, they evaporated into huge clouds of steam. Then those clouds rained down onto the planet. Many asteroids hit the Earth, breaking tectonic plates, freeing pressured, pressurized water from aquifers. So the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. After the flood of incoming water stopped, the Earth was all underwater, including the tops of the mountains. Noah and his family and the animals stayed on board the ark for more than a year, waiting for the water to go down enough for them to step out onto dry land. Where did all that water go? I think the earth was more level than it is now. The weight of all that water coming into the earth caused earthquakes. Tectonic plates moved together in places, pushing up where they collided, causing mountain ranges and other places tectonic plates separated, leaving huge gaps and canyons where water flowed in as it flowed off the continents that were raised up. Land rose up to become dry land and other land went down to be covered by oceans of water. God put a rainbow in the sky as a sign that he would never flood the earth again. It looked like the huge bow they used to be in the sky as viewed from our earth. They were really rings around the planet and now water covers 70% of the planet. People born before the flood lived very long lives. In Genesis 5, the men listed in the 10 generations from Adam to Noah mostly lived at least 900 years. It is said that Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived. The Bible doesn't say that, but it says he lived 969 years, which was only seven years older than his grandfather, Jared. These are just 10 men listed out of the many thousands, maybe millions of people who lived before the flood. If they are representative of the whole population, most people lived in a very long time unless murdered by their brother or somebody, it seems probable that some of those people lived more than a thousand years. Methuselah could have lived longer than he did. In Genesis 5, 25 through 29, it says, Methuselah was 187 years old when his son Lamech was born. Lamech was 182 years old when his son Noah was born. 
added together, we see that Methuselah was 369 years old when Noah was born. In Genesis 7, 6, it says Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. Methuselah was then 969 years old when the flood came. That's the year he died. The Bible doesn't say if it was on the same day. Maybe Methuselah was invited to get on the boat, but decided he was too old to be going on a cruise. People who were born after the flood didn't live so long. Noah and Shem were born before the flood. Noah lived another 350 years after the flood to the ripe old age of 950. He was still alive when Abram was born, in the 10th generation from Noah. Shem lived another 500 years after the flood to the age of 600 years. For the next few generations, people born after the flood lived just a few years past 400 years old. After the Tower of Babel, the average age was a little over 200 years. What was it that caused the average age to be cut in half after the flood, and again to be cut in half after the Tower of Babel? Dr. Jack Cuozo wrote a book from the perspective of a research orthodontist. His research led him to believe that the lifespan was affected by exposure to radioactive rocks. Those rocks had been hidden beneath the earth, which protected those on the surface of the earth from the radiation of those rocks. During the time of the flood with all the geological upheaval, radioactive rocks were brought to the surface Exposure to the radiation affected the DNA of everyone who was exposed. The resulting mutation caused the average lifespan to be cut in half. Radon is a naturally occurring radioactive gas. It is colorless, odorless, and has no taste. Though it has been in existence for a very long time, it wasn't discovered until the year 1900 by Friedrich Ernst Dorn, a German chemist. It can cause re respiratory problems, including lung cancer. It is found everywhere. It comes from radioactive rocks. Who knows what other invisible radioactive gases might be in the air that haven't yet been discovered. The 10th chapter of Genesis gives an overview of the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, covering a time period that goes beyond the events of the 11th chapter of Genesis, which gives us the story of the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 10.5, it is written in the New American Standard Bible, from these, the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, everyone according to their families, into their nations. The first verse of chapter 11 says, everyone spoke the same language when they began the building of the great tower. This makes it clear that Genesis 10.5 tells about a time after chapter 11. Sometimes the Bible gives events out of sequence, an overview, and then gives, goes back to give details. In 10.5, we see that people were divided not only by different languages, but also by geological upheaval. Coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands. In the King James Bible, it is written, the isles or islands, of the Gentiles divided in their lands. In the Wycliffe English Bible, older than the King James Bible, it is written, the isles of the heathen men were parted in their countries. This verse and some other translations of the Bible doesn't support the idea of geological upheaval, but in several translations in verse 25, it is written that Eber had a son named Peleg, 
The reason he was named Peleg was because in his days the earth was divided. That tells me God gave them some serious help in separating from each other. He divided the continents. We see evidence of this when we look at a globe representing the earth. The continents have pushed together, fit together like pieces of a puzzle. Scientists today tell us the separation of the lands took millions of years. They call the original landmass before it was all separated Pangaea. This movement of the tectonic plates from an original landmass was only agreed upon by a scientific consultant's consensus in the last century. Scientists say it took millions of years for this to happen. Mother Nature couldn't do all that without the help of Father Time. A look at the 10th and 11th chapters of Genesis might lead one to consider the possibility that it all happened much more quickly. <clears throat> In Genesis 8:17, God told Noah and his family to go forth with the animals that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. In Genesis 9-1, God told Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. In the seventh verse, God said, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply. God's intent was that Noah and his descendants should multiply and replenish the earth. God wanted them to spread out to cover the earth with their descendants, not to stay in one place together. <clears throat> in chapter 11, we see that the people decided to build a tower whose top reached up to heaven to glorify themselves. They wanted to stay together and not be scattered abroad on the face of the earth. They wanted to make a name for themselves. In our own time, in the last half of the 20th century, we developed the technology to build a rocket that would carry a satellite into space to orbit the planet. We even went to the moon. Different nations were building their space programs to make a name for themselves. In each case, we built a rocket, which was a tower, with a payload at the top of the rocket that was launched into the heavens above it. It was, like the Tower of Babel, a tower with a top that reached up to heaven. God said of the inhabitants of Babel, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. They still had long lives in order to gain wisdom to build on, though not as long as the, they lived before the flood. They still shared a common language that they might join together and plan things to glorify themselves. They still had skills and tools carried from before the flood. God divided them and scattered them over the face of the earth to give them a more humble perspective, that they might be more dependent on God. God saw them turning away from God again. He gave them he saw them more focused on their own pride and glory. He even separated them linguistically so that they wouldn't all be drawn into the same groupthink mentality. People would still be swayed by leaders of different nations, but they weren't in danger of following a world leader in rebellion against God. In Genesis 11, 10 through 16, we read that Shem begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. When Arphaxad was 35 years old, he begat Salah. When Salah was 30 years old, he begat Eber. When Eber was 34 years old, he begat Peleg. Add up the years between the begats, and we see that 101 years passed from the flood to the birth of Peleg. His name was Peleg because in his day the earth was divided, according to Genesis 10.25. 
So the people were divided by God from Babel about a hundred years after the flood, and perhaps because of radiation from rocks brought to the surface when the lands were divided, people's DNA mutated some more. After Babel, in the generations from Peleg to the father of Abram, the lifespans listed were about half of what they were before Babel, not much more than 200 years. Terah, father of Abram, was the last person listed in the Bible who lived more than 200 years. Abram, whom God later renamed Abraham, lived only 175 years. His son Isaac lived 180 years. Isaac's son Jacob lived 147 years. After him, no one listed in the Bible lived that long. Genesis 1131 tells us Terah took Abram and Sarai and Lot and left Ur of the Chaldees to move to Haran in the land of Canaan. In verse 32, it says Terah died at the age of 205. But a lot happened between verse 31 and verse 32. The name of this chapter is The Beginning. Some people believe life just happened and over a long period of time it evolved into what it is today. They believe that humans evolved from nothing to their present glory. They believe that nature and time together created us. They say Nature evolves life, but needs huge amounts of time to do so. This is not creation by God as revealed in the book of Genesis. Those who trust in evolution trust in two other gods. They trust in Mother Nature and Father Time who together created all the creatures we see, or so they choose to believe. We all have access to the same evidence. Our frame of reference influences our interpretation of the evidence. Mark Twain in Life on the Mississippi said, there is something fascinating about science. One gets such wholesale returns of conjecture out of such a trifling investment of fact. If there really is a God, and if he really loves us, he would let us know. He would tell us he loves us, and he would show us that love. He has told us he loves us and he has shown us his love. He tells us through the book that he has given us, the Bible. The Bible tells us that the earth and its creatures were created in six days. He has shown us his love by sending his only begotten son to die for us so that we do not have to die an eternal death. His son Jesus conquered death so that all who trust in Jesus will have eternal life. In the Gospel of John, John writes in the first few verses, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God made the world through the Word, His Son. Without the Word, the world was not done. It is written that Jesus is the Son of God. In addition, John tells us Jesus is the Word of God. We think of words as existing on a page or coming out of our mouths, but before that the Word exists in the mind. When we see or hear a word, we recognize it because it already exists in our minds. Words mean things. Words are powerful. The Word of God is all-powerful. 
Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is in the mind of God. They are one. Jesus is God. God the Father sent us his word to communicate to us his love. God is love. That's in John 4, 8, and 16. When God created the world, he created a man called Adam. This was God's first man, one of a kind. Adam wasn't reproduced by the action of other humans as we were re reproduced by our parents. It is miraculous that we can do that. God created us with the ability to do that. But the first man was created directly by God with no flaws. God produced that walking, talking machine we call a body, and he put life into it. Without life, it is only a work of art. God's word is written in the Bible in many languages. God created the programming language we call DNA and wrote the complex program which creates and reproduces the body which life inhabits. God then took a rib from Adam, extracted the DNA from that rib, and modified it just a little, and used it to make a modified clone of Adam. Adam was male, and Eve was female. They were more closely related than any brother and sister. They were created directly by God with no flaws. Adam and Eve were created to live forever in a loving relationship with God. God told them to be fruitful and multiply. He told them to take care of the earth and to have dominion over the other living creatures. God gave Adam and Eve free will because he wanted their love for him to be freely given. If they left God, then they left the source of their eternal life. God told them they could eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God gave them everything except one thing. They decided to focus on the one thing they shouldn't have. 